Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today, I'm going to cover the writings using the translation and commentary by Robert Alter. This is one of three parts of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, and this is book three for my 2024 reading list. Well, I've made a plan as part of this reading project to start each year by reading straight through the Bible. And I know it takes about 100 hours to do that of total time for the Old and the New Testament. And I, I, so I just set aside January and February of each year. I don't read anything else. I just start at the beginning and I, I read through the entire Bible. So that's what I'm doing right now. And the version of the Old Testament that I used this year was the Robert Alter translation and commentary. And so that one is split up into three different books. The first one is the five books of Moses. And so that's contained in the first book. The second book is the prophets. And then the third book, is the one I'm covering today. And and the books that are within this third one are Psalms, Proverbs, Job, the Song of Songs, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Chronicles. A lot of the writing in these books uh, is is in poetry. Uh, There's also some prose, uh, most of the, the second half of, of books I listed there are, are in prose, but uh, a lot of the initial ones are, are written in poetry. And the poetry of the Bible is, is what's called parallelism. And I want to read a part from the introduction by Robert Alter here, just on, on what that entails. Biblical poetry is based on a parallelism of meaning between the two halves of the line. There is no requirement of rhyme, and no regular meter of the kind manifested in Greek and Latin poetry. Uh, And and I'll stop reading there. So yeah, just a couple of things to note here. Uh, It it doesn't necessarily rhyme in in the original language. It it doesn't, it doesn't rhyme and there's no regular meter to it. But, but what sets it apart as poetry is this parallelism where you'll have uh, a line and then a a parallel to that. And so let me read an example here. This is from Psalm 27.3. Uh, Though a camp is marshaled against me, my heart shall not fear. Though battle is roused against me, nonetheless do I trust. So you see, there's there's two sets of of, uh, parallels there. The first one, though a camp is marshaled against me, so that's the first part, and then the second part, my heart shall not fear. And then another one, though battle is roused against me, the parallel, nonetheless, do I trust? And so that's that's how po- the poetry of the Bible, a, a lot of it is is in that, and and you see that very easily in Proverbs, where you've got like a statement, and then there's kind of like a, a another a, a different kind of statement. So there's the, this idea of, of of a contrast in those, and and that's really what sets the poetry of the Bible apart. And uh, so that's kind of what you're seeing in in a lot of those first books that I mentioned, the uh, Psalms, Proverbs. Uh, Job and, and some of the others. So that's that's uh, one one side of of this. And I want to read another part of the intro here, uh, just of about the these books of the Bible, the the writings, uh, the the literature of the first temple period essentially encompasses five genres: narrative, law, prophecy, psalms, and proverbs. 
The literature collected in the writings includes a poetic argument on divine justice, which is in Job, a meditation in prose poetry about the nature of human existence that is as close to philosophy as we find in the Bible, that's Ecclesiastes, an assemblage of richly sensual love poems with no mention of God, the Song of Songs, and then a memoir, which is Nehemiah, and much more. So he's talking about the, the a lot of what was in the first two books of the Old Testament that I read were narrative, law, and prophecy. And then now we're getting into Psalms and Proverbs, but then just like what what Robert also calls a, a miscellany. Uh, he says the, the better title of this collection should actually be miscellaneous writings, just because there's, there's not really like a common theme through them. There's, there's just, and there's a, a huge variety of different writings. It's just kind of like that other category you have for, for things like you can, you can categorize other things pretty well, but then you get, well, I don't know where this goes. So let's, we're going to just stick this in, in other. And that's, that's kind of uh, what Robert Alter says is what you find in the writings here. So there is a good mix of, of different types. Uh, you've got You've got some narrative here. You you do have prose. You have a lot of poetry, and uh, you have genealogies in chronicles. You have uh, th that narrative structure again in chronicles. So the last uh, the last two episodes, I could cover a narrative arc in in an overview of those books. So the the five books of Moses. There's there's the, the it starts with creation and then and then goes into. Egypt, the people of, of, of Israel getting into, uh, about to get into the land. In the second book, the prophets, they're right at the edge of the, uh, of the land of Israel. They're, they're about to enter into it. And so you, and, and you can kind of tell the story there. You, you get through uh, the judges, you, you, you start with the kings, uh, you, you go through the exile, that sort of thing. So in both of those initial books, or the first two books, there's this narrative arc. But with the writings, there's not like an overall narrative arc that I can give you. It's just a, a big mix of stuff. So some of my favorite books of the Bible are contained within these writings. Uh, I actually start off a lot of days just during the year with a proverb. So there are 31 proverbs, so that makes it very handy. Uh, you can just pick it up at, at any point during the month. And, and if it's uh, January... 22nd, you can go right to Proverbs 20, 22 and, and read that for the day. And so that, that's what I tend to do uh, a lot during the year. So um, Psalms, I uh, enjoy going through those. I love the book of Esther. Uh, so yeah, some of my favorites are, are contained in this book. In terms of an, an initial reaction for this particular reading, the Psalms really came alive to me this time. Uh, it, was, it was neat. And I think part of it just might be I love reading different translations because with, with, I, I may have in my head one translation and, and then it just becomes like, it's in my brain. So I don't, if I read it again and it's the same translation, it, it just, oh yeah, I, I've read this before. It's just kind of, it's, it's there. Whereas if, if the language is slightly different, it just, it just makes you think about it. And so I, I love that. So with Robert Alter here, this is a different translation that I've ever, ever read before. And so in the notes in the back of, of the Bible that, uh, of, of this, the writings, there were just Psalms that I kind of said, you know, the, uh, they really stuck. So Psalm 25, 34, 37, 114, and 130. So I, I just want to kind of go through those again through the, the remainder of this year. Just pick up the Bible and read through those. Uh, those, those really stuck out to me this year. Proverbs startled me in some of the translation choices of Robert Alter. And, and it, it, 
it helped me to look at things a little differently. And so I'll, I'll, I'll highlight that in the next segment. But I, I thought that was neat when I went through Proverbs. Uh, Esther and Ruth are, are two of my favorite books. And then I, <laughs> I had trouble when I got to Chronicles. So Chronicles in this collection was placed at the very end. Usually when I read through uh, the Bible, the it's... It's Samuel, Kings, and then Chronicles. Uh, so those three are, are all together. And, and uh, there's a lot of similarities between Kings and Chronicles. And so with this with this layout of the Old Testament, Chronicles is at the end. And sometimes when I get towards the end of a, of a book, I'm just, I'm already thinking of the next book. So in this case, I'm already thinking of, of getting into the New Testament. And I hit Chronicles and the first nine chapters are these genealogies. And it, it was so hard to get through it. So uh, yeah, I had a lot of trouble with Chronicles this time. And, and I think part of it was just the, the placement of it. But um, it did pick up again, uh, in more in the middle with the, the narrative structure. But um, man, those genealogies, especially this time, I, I enjoyed the genealogies. Uh, but nine chapters of genealogies was, was a bit much. For reading stats, uh, this I read this between February 10th and 9th and 19th. So uh, that was 10 days total. It's a 944 page book. And it took me 19 hours and 55 minutes to read it. So I read 99 pages per day. But uh, just note that this is a translation and a commentary. So a lot of the times the commentary takes up more than half of the page. Uh, this is poetry as well. So it's not all the way across on the page. It's, it's, it's you know, uh, a kind of a small, uh, larger margins to where it's, it's little text on the page. So 99 pages per day is a lot, but um, it's really like half of the page and then even less than that with, with the, the way it was written in poetry. So... I mentioned this in another episode. Uh, I, I went through all of the commentary in Genesis from uh, Robert Alter here. I would only look at the commentary after Genesis. I would only look if I had a question. So I didn't read the commentary for all of the books. I would, I would probably, it would probably take a year to do that. I, I also wanted to highlight here just the entire Old Testament and, and time, time frame. So it took me between January 1st and February 19th. And all of the pages total were 3,192. In that I was at 87 hours and 22 minutes to get through the entire Old Testament. Again, Genesis, I, I really buckled down and, and read all the commentaries. So that those 87 hours include all of the commentary from, from Genesis as well. That was over a 50-day period. And so I averaged 69 pages per day reading through the Old Testament this year. I will have two more segments of this episode. I'll, I'll, I'll go into to some observations here in the next segment, segment two. And then segment three, I'll cover the one thing, the, the one thing that really stuck out in this reading of the writings. All right, if you listened to the previous episode about the prophets, I made a very big mistake in segment two, and I, I want to uh, I want to address that and then correct it here. I, I, I actually re-recorded that part of the episode and, and released it. So if you haven't downloaded it, if you download it now, it'll it'll have the correction in it. But if you listen to the initial episode, I made a, a mistake, and I, I do want to correct it here. And, and the mistake was where I was talking about the two kingdoms. So you had the kingdom of Judah, and you had the kingdom of Israel. And they had initial leaders. So after King David and King Solomon, they, ha they had initial leaders after the kingdoms split. And, you, and, and there was Jeroboam in in the kingdom of Israel in the north. And then there was Rehoboam in the kingdom of Israel, uh, sorry, the kingdom of Judah in the south. And what the, the statement I had made was that uh, 
I, I just found it interesting that the direction of those two kingdoms was really set by that first king. And, and that was the case for Jeroboam. He was a bad, bad king. And that set the, that set the tone for the kingdom of Israel. And, and in fact, the subsequent kings, they, they would, it would say they, they followed the ways of, of Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam kind of set this path and then they, they could never get off that path. All the kings of Israel were bad. Uh, and then I made the statement that Rehoboam, in, in contrast, was a good king and that he had started off on, on the good path. And that's totally wrong. Rehoboam was, was, was a bad king and he, um, like the people came to him right away and, and said, hey, your father put a pretty big burden on us. Can, can you not do that? And he increased the burden on them instead and then just did a, a, some other awful things. And so he was a bad king, set, set it off on a bad path as, as well. Uh, but, but I had mistakenly uh, mixed him up with King David in, in the sense that the subsequent kings of Judah, some of them were good and some of them were bad. And when, when it would say the, this king was a good king, it was it would say as as their father David, as King David. So King David was kind of the standard bearer when when they were good kings, and so that's what I had in my head. But I said Rehoboam. Uh, but so Rehoboam was not a good king. D- uh, don't don't get that impression. He was a bad king. Uh, king David was the one that was they, they would look back to as like the 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 good direction being set was on the side of King David. And and obviously, if you've read the story, uh, King David's not a saint. But um, but yeah, I I just wanted to to address that before I go further into to this section because it, it, and it's funny. I like I when I was reading Chronicles in this. The writings book here, the the one I'm covering today, uh, and and I came across across Rehoboam in that book, and I was like, oh no, I think I think I got that mistaken, and so I re-listened to it, and I was like, oh, I've got I, this is bad, I got to correct that. So, sorry about that, but uh, there's the correction, and now let's get into some observations for the writings. So I've got three this time, just three. Uh, the first one I'll start off with is one that you are you heard in the other episodes if you listen to those, but just this idea of poetry versus prose. And so I want to go through real quickly, uh, each of the books here, Psalms was poetry, Proverbs poetry, Job was poetry, yet there was uh, prose in the first two chapters, I believe, and then and then in the last chapter. So that, that was really interesting that uh, Job starts off as a, as a narrative, like you're getting the story and it, and Robert Alter, it, in, in this, you'll see this in a lot of the Bibles, but like the, the prose writing, it goes from the left side all the way over to the right side. Uh, it's, you know, full sentences, that kind of thing. The poetry will be written more like a few words for each line, kind of more like how you would see a poem. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a big contrast when you're looking at the, the actual text, because especially in Job, you've got the first two chapters, side to side, full narrative, and then you get into the full center section of that book, and it's all written in poetry. So that that was very interesting, just on this poetry versus prose side of things. Uh, Job had a mixture. Song of Songs was poetry. Ruth was prose, and that was the first book of this this one, the writings that was uh, full, fully prose. Lamentations was poetry. Uh, Ecclesiastes was called poetic prose. So uh, that would actually... Uh, I'm just going to double check here, but when going through that, you're, you're actually, it's, it's written in, 
uh, prose, like, uh, you know, side, side to side, not like how you would see a poem, but uh, Robert Alter called it poetic prose. The Book of Esther was prose. Daniel was prose. Um, and then Ezra and Nehemiah prose as, as well as Chronicles. Um, so I, I like to think of, of prose more as a narrative or, or descriptions, that kind of thing. And then poetry is more elevated language. There, there is a neat thing here in the book of Ruth. And, and, and this is uh, in the introduction to Ruth by Robert Alter here. So I want to just highlight this. In Ruth, the dialogue repeatedly glides into parallel structures that have a strong rhythmic quality and sound rather like verse, but do not entirely scan as formal poetry, end quote. So even in those distinctions I just uh, went through between, you know, Ruth is prose, this is poetry, there, even within that, there, there's, it's not like black and white. It's, it's, there's, there's some mixture within there. There's, uh, uh, as, as Alter says here, strong rhythmic quality and sound rather like verse, but do not entirely scan as formal poetry. So I just found that to be fascinating. Uh, again, it's just something I never noticed before, never picked up on. Robert Alter highlights it all the time in in his uh, commentary and in the translation. And so it's just one thing, it's probably one of my bigger things that, that stuck out in this reading of the, of the Old Testament is just that distingu the, the distinguishing between poetry and prose. Now, let me get into the second observation here. And this one comes in the book of Proverbs, and it has to do with the fear of the Lord. So in chapter, the very first chapter, the seventh verse, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You've probably heard that as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Robert Alter here translates that as knowledge, but just the, this idea of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and here's Robert Alter's note on that. He says, the summarizing statement, or this summarizing statement that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, reflects a distinctive Israelite emphasis not evident in analogous wisdom texts in Egypt and Mesopotamia. So uh, I find that to be very interesting because I read some of these wisdom texts last year as part of the Great Books Project that came from Egypt and Mesopotamia. And I, re I recall reading those and thinking, man, this this reads very much like the Proverbs do. Uh, you, you can even see like some similar ideas, and the, these wisdom texts have have the same feel to them. But what Robert Alter points out here is is this idea here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or or wisdom is something that is distinctive to Israelite thought. And I thought that was very interesting because this is something that stuck out to me a lot the first time I read straight through the Bible. And that was in the year 2020. And I covered this on a podcast episode. So I, that was the first year I ever read straight through the Bible in 2020. So January and February of, of the year 2020. And I, I, did one episode where I just covered the whole Bible, but I, I did a special episode just covering the Proverbs because uh, of this, this actually this verse. And it, it really came about because I didn't know what to do with it. And I'd heard this verse my whole life, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. What, what does that mean? Uh, fear, like I should be scared uh, fear, like tremble, fear, like honor. Uh, what, what is, what's the deal? Like, what, what does it mean that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? And so I, I just, I got, I got stuck on that question, uh, right away in Proverbs when I read it in 2020 and in, in, um, later on in Proverbs, it, it there's a, a part that kind of answered it for me that, that gave, 
that gave some insight into what the fear of the Lord means. And that came in Proverbs 29, verse 25. And so the, the translation of the Bible I did in 2020 was the Christian Standard Bible version. So that's the CSB Bible. And this is the translation there. It says, the fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Robert Alter's translation of that same verse is, a man's fear becomes a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be safe. So back back in 2020, the fear of the Lord thing finally made sense because this contrast verse of the fear of mankind is a snare. That I understood the fear of mankind. I fear mankind. I, I have a lot of fear of what people think. Uh, I have a lot of fear just on... Uh, yeah, just uh, like the fear of mankind. I know that I know that on a daily basis. And so I and I will make decisions based on that of, of fear of what somebody might say or something like that. So that that just had it click in my head of like, okay, that's the kind of fear that I should have. And that is the beginning of the Lord. And that's the beginning of of wisdom. So that helped that helped it really stick in my mind. Fast forward to this year now and reading this, Robert Alter really translates this in a different manner. So again, the, the, the version I read in 2020 says, the fear of mankind is a snare. The way that Alter does it is a man's fear becomes a snare. So in the, the CSB version, the, uh, the fear of mankind, like having a fear of mankind. But in this one, a man's fear, it's, it's kind of not necessarily a fear of mankind, but just fear in general, a man's fear becomes a snare. So this kind of even expands it even more and, and gives it even further context. Um, and, and, and then Robert Alter had a note in his commentary about this. And I, I want to read this. The fearful man, in contradistinction to the man who trusts in the Lord, runs the danger of being tripped up by his own anxiety, imagining dangers where there are none and acting timorously where boldness is called for end quote. Uh, I mean, that's, that's me oftentimes in a nutshell. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. And I, 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 I loved it. I, this just kind of opened it up even, even more for me. And just this year in general, 2024 has been a year where, uh, I I've, I've really like, I, I did something earlier this year where I had a lot of the fear that was in me that some of it, I didn't even know how deep it was just, just kind of leave, and uh, there's still fear there. I, I'm not saying it's all gone, but uh, it was, it was strange. But I, it really helped me to see like how deep it was in me. And so I just I love reading these 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 proverbs and the fear of the Lord contrasted to the fear of mankind or a man's fear or someone someone's fear. Um, I, I, the, the further I go into this, the, the, the more helpful it is and the deeper it is. And then just to learn that this is, this, this is an idea that is different. A lot of the Proverbs you read are just kind of common sense things, or you can find them in other places, uh, some of the wisdom texts from Egypt or Mesopotamia. But this idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge is something unique. And I... I I, I just love that. And I love that distinction with the fear of mankind. So that's the second big observation from this reading. And the third is uh, some things that Robert Alter pointed out. And I'm going to call this observation testing the canon. And so it was so funny reading the introductions to, to some of these books, uh, because Robert Alter would say like, 
this is the strangest book, or this, this is the one that is, you know, how did, how did this make it into the canon? Um, he said of, of the book of Esther, this one tests the limits of the canon. <laughs> and he said, in, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, Esther was not a part of those. Uh, Song of Songs, again, he just kind of, you know, how, how did this book get in the Bible? How did this book get into the, the final canon? And so it's just kind of interesting to, to think about those things. Um, in, in right, right before reading each of those books. But yeah, just this idea of, you know, how did this get in there? Why did it get in there? Uh, there's obviously much further exploration to those, those questions and, and things that have been written about those. But I, I just found that kind of rather entertaining, just uh, Robert Alter's comments about some of these books. All right, now into segment three. And the one thing, the one key takeaway from, from this book, I, I always feel uh, rather strange giving a takeaway from uh, reading large sections of the Bible. It's, the, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that I could highlight or pinpoint, but I, I do like doing this because uh, it, it, this is the one thing that, that sticks with me. And, and the, the further I get on in my reading life, the further even I get on in going to see somebody speak, the more I realize that if I just pull one thing away from that, it's, it's a win. Uh, and it may seem like what a waste of time. You just heard this person speak for an hour and all you came away with is one thing. But I find that if I focus on one thing and really making sure I remember that it'll actually help me remember other parts of someone's talk or other parts of a book. And so that's a big part of this reading project is that I focus on one thing. I always try to pull one thing from, from the book. And sometimes it's hard, like with a novel or, or, you know, a, a book about uh, productivity, it's very easy to pull one thing that, that I want to implement in my life or, or something to that effect. But with, with the Bible or with novels or, or uh, other bigger works, it's, it's kind of, I just share the thing that still is on my mind when I get in the car and I'm driving somewhere and I'm thinking about this book that I just read, or I'm on a run like a week later and it's like, oh man, that, that, that was really cool when I read through this. So it's more that thing that, that is, that has been around for a little while after, after finishing the book. And for the writings, it, it has to be this idea that I shared at the very beginning of this episode of the parallelism and just how poetry is set up with, with in the Hebrew Bible and, but how, how that goes deeper. So you've got the parallelism just in one line to the very next line, but then you've got throughout the Bible, you've got parallelism happening and you've got, you've got, Con these contrasts happening. So one that, uh, or a couple here that I never noticed before that, that Robert Alter really helped me to, to see is, is uh, contrast between books. So for instance, you've got Ezra and, and Alter said, you should read Ruth as a, a sort of a contrast to Ezra. So at the end of Ezra, there's this, this famous scene where the, the people of Judah have married foreign wives and they, they like leave their wives, they leave their families because they're foreign wives. And it's this, this odd scene and, uh, disturbing in some ways of, of you get why they're doing it, but it's like, uh, what about the family? Like, what about these wives? What about the kids? Like, why, what, what's going on here? Um, and so, but it's very cut and dry. It's like, you, you should not have done this. Therefore let's get rid of them. And so what Robert Alter says is, is actually, you should read the book of Ruth in contrast 
to especially that section of Ezra. So in Ruth, you have a Moabite woman who who becomes part of of the people. Uh, so you've got a foreign wife or you've got a foreign woman who who becomes a wife. And so you could you could read those two stories together kind of in contrast or or in parallel type thing. The the second one is is Jonah in reading that with Nahum, uh, the prophet Nahum. And so Jonah in that book, the enemy of the people of Israel is uh, are, are the Assyrians. And Jonah is called to go to the Assyrians and 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 tell them to to repent. And he doesn't want to do it. So that that's the whole story with, with Jonah getting swallowed by the whale and, and all that. And he eventually goes and the Assyrians uh, do exactly what Jonah asks and, and they repent. And Jonah's bummed out about it and all that. But uh, so you've got this scenario where this, this hated enemy, the, the, this brutal people, uh, they, they change their ways. But then you contrast that with Nahum, where it's, it's kind of a, a book against the Assyrians. Um, it's just, it's, it's kind of funny. Like you, you've got two sides of a coin there. And so you can just read one of the stories and be like, oh, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, that's, that's interesting. But uh, you could c- compare it or contrast it with, with these other books. This, this gets into the proverb that I, that I shared earlier as well, where you've got the fear of the Lord, and then you've got the fear uh, contrasted with the fear of mankind. These, these, um, these parallels are, are throughout the Bible, and, and you, you could spend your, the rest of your life just contrasting different stories. They could be stories within the same book. They could be stories uh, between different books, and you, you, could, you could literally spend the rest of your life just studying these, these contrasts. But what I've found is uh, in the past, I would read the Bible, and I would sometimes read it over a year, but it would be over the whole year. And so if you read like five chapters a day, you can get through the whole Bible in a, in a year, but it's a very spread out year. And I, the way my brain works is I forget a lot of things. And so spreading something out over a whole year, I would forget a lot. Whereas it, reading it within a two month time period and just having it be the only thing I'm reading you you start to notice more of these contrasts. At least I do, just with my memory not being all that great. So just the the close proximity of reading these different books and and thinking, oh, I just I just finished um, Ruth, and then oh. Ezra, uh, and maybe that's not something I would have ever even noticed had Robert Alter not pointed it out. But, but you do notice these these contrasts every time you you read through the Bible again, um, and and I think it just it 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 tells of the Bible as a whole in 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 the sense of like be careful just taking one part of it, and I guess in in the past when I would just read like little bits of the Bible or even not when I was going to try to read through the whole Bible in a year, but just, you know, opening up the Bible and like reading a a chapter to see what I I would get out of it. There's, there can be some benefits in that, but, but you got, you got to be careful because there, there are, that might just be one part of the, the puzzle. And there might be a contrast that you're meant to read that with for, for like deeper understanding. Uh, rarely in life are, are things just black or white. Like there's, there's different angles. There's, there's different ways to look at it. And when you combine these stories together, when you, when you read them in tandem, uh, it just, it just opens up like this whole new world. So the Bible is fascinating. That like, again, you, you, you could just take one book and spend the rest of your life studying just that one book and how it relates to other things and all that. But like, 
taking it as a whole and seeing all of these connection points, um, what, what some people call hyperlinks in the Bible, uh, apparently there's like over 60,000 links just in terms of what something is talking about and it's showing up somewhere else. Uh, it's just, that stuff fascinates me, fascinates me. But my one thing this time in reading through, especially the old Testament here is, is just coming across that idea that, that Hebrew poetry itself is based off of parallelism that that's really cool. But then seeing it in Proverbs, seeing it, you know, in, in one line to the next, but then seeing it across books, seeing it across stories, uh, it's just, it, it opens up new avenues. It opens up understanding of the stories and how, uh, the complexity, but just how that, that really opens up new ideas and and ways of thinking. Uh, I love it. And that's my one thing this time. So to, to recap, um, these are some of the most popular and most referenced books of the Bible. If you've ever been to a church service, you've probably heard a psalm being read. Uh, you probably heard one if you've been to a wedding. Um, you've heard of Daniel in the lion's den. You've probably heard of the book of, of Job, uh, a, a book of, of a man's suffering and uh, his friends who, who do a pretty horrendous job of, of comforting him. Uh, I loved the the Robert Alter translation and commentary. And I've, I've talked about this in the other two episodes, but for me, it was perfect timing because I have started this great books project. I'm reading through from the oldest to the newest. And so a lot of the texts that I read last year uh, were, were referenced even by Robert Alter in, in this, this writings one here, he referenced uh, Hesiod's works and days in the book of Daniel. He referenced Gilgamesh, the Epic of Gilgamesh in Ecclesiastes. And he referenced some of the wisdom literature from Egypt in the book of Proverbs. So I have one more book remaining after this one, and that is the New Testament. So I'm reading that one right now, and I'm reading the David Bentley Hart translation of the New Testament. So I did the Robert Alter for Old Testament. I'm doing David Bentley Hart for the New Testament. Robert Alter does not have a translation of the New Testament. What's been really fascinating is that each of these translations is by a single translator. I think yeah, I, I think every single other Bible I've ever read in my entire life was done by a committee, be that the King James Bible, the the NIV, uh, most of the other, the CSB that I did in 2020, these are all like committee. And so I'm, I'm going to highlight that a lot in the next episode about the New Testament, because there's, there's, there's interesting things that can be done by a single translator that a committee can't do, or it's just not in the place to do. And so I've really enjoyed this year reading the translations from a single translator uh, and, and didn't plan that way necessarily. Uh, I, I actually chose the David Bentley Hart one late, late, later on, but uh, it's been a real delight. And um, I can't wait to talk about the, the New Testament in the next episode. That'll do it for this episode. Let me just tell you quickly about uh, my company. And I don't do advertisements for, uh, you know, what whatever the, the ads you hear on, on all the podcasts. But, but let me tell you about my company because my company is what funds this project. Books of Titans is a side project for me. I love it. It's a, it's a, a reading project. I, I plan to do it the rest of my life. But uh, all of the... The things that cost money for this project, I pay for them through my company. And so I do website development, and my company's called EPR Creations. I've done it now for 16 years. And I assist 
universities, small businesses, and health organizations on their online presence. So if you're at a party or if you're somewhere and you hear somebody talking, you're like, man, my, my organization really needs a, a new website. Um, keep me in mind. I don't do basic websites. I don't do the, you know, two pagers. I do, uh, I, I love complex websites. I, I thrive in those situations. And so if you know of, of a company or an organization who is looking for a, a new website or, or consulting on the online side of things, keep, please keep me in mind. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you. I, I, I love hearing from people who are reading the same books. Uh, I love hearing when you've listened to the episode and you have a question or you have a comment, or maybe you got something out of Proverbs or Psalms or one of these books that I completely missed. I would love to hear that. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. Um, I, you can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter. And I'm actually taking a little bit of a break from those two platforms for the moment. So uh, during Lent here, uh, so until Easter, I, I'm completely off Instagram or Twitter. So your best bet right now is to sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to do one newsletter a week during this time. So just go to the booksoftitans.com website and uh, you'll, you'll find a newsletter. Sign up there and I can keep in touch with you that way. And then I'll be back on on those social platforms after Easter, but you can go ahead and, and connect there at books of Titans, either on Instagram or Twitter, go to the website. There's a ton of resources there. I have all my reading lists. So if you need some book ideas, you can see what I thought of the books. You can see if there's a podcast episode associated with it. Uh, I will be back next week. I'm hopefully covering the new Testament at that point. Hopefully I finish it by then. And uh, the goal is to finish it by February 29. So that's, next Thursday. And uh, that is when I would need to record the episode. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Until then, keep reading, keep listening, and keep learning. I'm out.